Uh, many of you know, because when we meet, you know, individually, you're kind of like, what can I do to grow in the Lord? What can I do? And uh, all I can share with you is what I do. And when I wake up in the morning, um, uh, I, I get into the Word of God. That's just the first thing I do. I just get into the Word of God. Uh, there were times where I'd get up and I'd get into the waves. And there were times when I'd get up and get into the woods. I'd get different places. But um, I, I, I prayed a prayer and I said, God, will you please... Um, give me a love for your word like I've never had before. God, will you please make it so that the first thing I want to do when I wake up is be with you. And I, I haven't always had that desire. And so for, man, probably the last four or five years, that has been my desire. And he keeps growing it. And uh, obviously, from not being in the waves, he's growing my belly too. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but literally, I, I, that's, if you're, if you're kind of wanting that, that's a good prayer. Say, God, when you're going to sleep at night, God, I can't wait to wake up and be with you in the morning. And I'm riding this season out right now because, as you guys know, there's highs, there's lows, there's valleys, there's different seasons in life. I don't want this season to end, and I've had a season like it before, and I've lit it in. It's been me. God's not going anywhere. So right now, the thing I love more than anything is when I get up, I can't wait to open the Word. Now, get to do it a different way. I'm opening it up on my phone, and that's okay. Um, I've got all the versions on my phone. And so I'm in the Word of God, and I do it systematically. I start Genesis, and I read till God tells me to stop. Some places I'm reading for a whole chapter. Sometimes I'll read many chapters. Many times I just read a little paragraph. If I'm like in the Gospels, I read a story. And, and other times, man, we're in things and I'm reading like just one verse at a time and God says, stop. And he wants me to focus on that one thing. And whatever it is that he wants me to focus on, I focus on it. I pray and I say, God, how am I going to apply this in my life? I need God to give it to me in such a way that I can understand it. I can remember it and I can apply it to my life. And as I apply it to my life, I have no choice but to share it with others. And so I'm just in a good phase right now. And I will say that if you're, you have that desire, but you're not like, God, I want to get in the Word. I still don't know what to do, man. Give me a shout. Let me help you out. But just start praying. Say, God, give me a hunger and give me a thirst. Give me a love for your Word and start applying it in there. So maybe about, I think it was probably about six years ago, a friend of mine, we were, uh, we were getting together and we were kind of both in that beginning stages of wanting to reestablish that. And what we did is we made a path and we said, okay, so I'm going to be in the word in the morning and I'll send you the verse that God gives me or the section God sends me. And he said he would do the same thing. We had lunch a couple of weeks ago and he said, uh, in fact, you guys bought his house actually, Todd Stone. And, uh, and so, uh, but we started out in the woods in, in, in Georgia somewhere. We both wanted that. And we've started making a commitment to each other that we would share that word with each other. And we've done that. I don't do it on Sunday because if I send out, you know, the, the, the text for the message, obviously. If you have an Android, one of my buddies was turkey hunting. And uh, he had an Android. You know, Android takes Apple and chops it up. He was turkey hunting. He'd been calling a turkey in on a Sunday morning. He had his family. And all of a sudden, I sent him the Sunday message. And it went ding. Two minutes later, ding. Ding! He's like, I, he was really mad at me. So I don't send it out on Sunday. It's too long or whatever. And, uh, uh, and sometimes I'll miss a day. But the fact is, is we started doing that. And then all of a sudden, he started sending it to other people. As I was counseling, talking with people, I said, hey, let me start sending this to you. And then you send me your scripture. So I have people sending me their scripture. And over the years, I actually I send out, and, and again, this is to the glory of God. It's not like bragging on me. It's bragging on you guys. It's bragging on God, what he's doing through his word. 
is that, man, I get to send out a couple of hundred texts a day and it, with nothing but scripture. And, and I do it for a few reasons, because if I don't send scripture to some of you, some of you are like, hey, are you all right? Did you die? Right? So it holds me accountable to being in the word of God. Sometimes we need accountability in that. And, and you know, because of, uh, I mean, obviously you're a teacher, right? If you didn't give tests, kids wouldn't study, right? They don't care. You know, that's the, there's got to be some accountability sometimes. But it, we're encouraging each other with the verses of scripture that we're sending each other. Sometimes they have an explanation, sometimes they don't. And, uh, and, and, and also, one of the reasons I send it is now other people take scripture, I send them, and they send it out to others. And, and everybody who's in this, they start doing that and send it out. So the word of God is multiplying all over the place. So we're getting a personal application, and we're in God's word. It's getting and it's spreading out to other people. But you know that if I send you a scripture in the morning, by the way, raise your hand. How many of y'all get one of my scriptures in the morning? All right, good, good. And you guys know that I, I used to send it in the morning. If I don't send it in the morning, it's because you didn't want it when I got it at about 5 o'clock in the morning, all right? Maybe you do, but the people, especially in central time, do not want it then. But, uh, but if I get it to you later, and you guys know that when I send that to you, that I am praying for you. So as I add you to this, some of you ask to be added to the list. And by the way, if you'd like to get that little scripture in the morning that I send out, I would love to send it to you. Um, and some of you got it and you didn't even ask. God just told me to start sending it to you. And I always give you guys the option if you ever don't want it. Just have the guts to tell me you don't want the scripture, all right? Just say, I really don't want God's word in the morning. I don't want, no, just, just have, no, you know what? I have had a few people say, hey, it just eats up like memory on my phone. My phone can't handle it because I have to send in a picture and stuff. And, and so really, if you don't want it sent to me, I'm not going to, my feelings aren't going to be hurt. But it's such a pleasure that as I'm sending the scripture to Mac and Holly, because it's not a group text. I'll send it to Mac and Holly, boom. And I'm praying for both of you guys at that time. And by the way, if you ever want me to separate you two and send it individually, I can do that too. But, you know, when I send it out, I'm praying for you guys as best I know how. And since it's just an individual text, you can send back how I can pray for you. And it's amazing how every three to four weeks, I have conversation with people in Indianapolis. I have conversation with people in Chicago, people in Michigan, who, who are part of our congregation in a transient sense. Like most of you guys are. And, and so it's a, it's a really cool way to keep up with everyone. And so I get to pray for you guys. And you get to pray for me and all of that. So as I'm working through scripture, once I finish Revelation, I'm starting back in, in, in um, Genesis. And I really felt compelled to tell you this process. Because I got a feeling there's somebody in here that just needs to be in the word of God. And it's not a religious, ritualistic thing. I want you to pray and say, God, give me a love for your word so I can't wait to wake up and be with you in the morning. That's the only way I had that is because he gave me that. It wasn't in my flesh. In fact, I wanted to go serve first thing, wanted to do differently, but he's given me that. And I pray I'm going to ride this season as long as I possibly can. And, and I'll be sad when the season's over. And it, and it might not have to be over until I make it over because I think God likes it. How many of y'all think God likes hanging out with you in the morning? Oh, yeah. So, again, this is what I do. And as I'm going through the word of God, God helps me. I find a little passage, and he makes it make sense to me. I do some studying on it. I do some research on it. I look at it, and then I put it in a little, a little way that I can remember it and apply it to my life. And that's what I send out to you guys in that. 
So as I'm doing that, lately, uh, last month or so, I hit Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. And when I hit Ephesians, and I, I like to always start and read as much as I can about the beginning of the book, which most of your Bibles will have, you know, in it, the beginning, the history of Ephesians, the context of Ephesians, because a text without a context is a pretext. You've got to have it in context. You've got to know what it's all about. And so when I hit Ephesians, dude, I fell in love with it. I'm like, oh my goodness, it, it, as soon as we're done with 1 Peter, I think we're going to Ephesians. And God said, oh, you do, do you? And I was like, and as we've been going through it, so I'm still waiting for permission when we, we're in chapter 5 of 1 Peter. But as soon as we're done, I personally would love to go to Ephesians if he doesn't take us to 2 Peter. But Ephesians has been so rich. And if you get into Ephesians, Paul wrote Ephesus, uh, to the church in Ephesus from a Roman prison. It's one of the four uh, prison epistles. And so as he's chained to these soldiers, as you'll sort of see at the end of what we're looking at today, he, he was writing and he was being a witness. He was a, a missionary in chains, as he likes to call it. And, and really, it was the people who were chained to him that got to hear the gospel. And so as he's writing this, the very first thing he kind of says in Ephesians, he says, man, he said, God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings. You hear that? God has blessed you with how many spiritual blessings? Yeah, so do you need any more blessings than what he has already given you? No. How many of you ever felt like you're lacking in blessings? God, I could use a few more. I could use a little more. You know what? You already have them. You already have them. You have a grocery sack full of God's blessings, but the deal is, is we don't know how to use them. Sometimes we don't even know what's in that sack. The very thing we need, we need a water purifier. We're out hiking, and I'm starving. I'm, I'm thirsty. I'm dying of you know, dehydration. It's like, well, reach in there and grab the water purifier. You can suck it out of a mud puddle, and you won't die. That's kind of spiritually how the Word of God is and what he's telling us. You have everything you need to live a totally spirit-filled, complete, satisfactory Christian life. There's nothing more you need. He's given it all to you. And he's talking in Ephesians about Christ being the head. Doc, man, I love it. I, what do you think of that till just now? Where does it all start in, in chiropractic and in our body? Where does it all have to start? Brain. With your brain. You know, man, you may, in your car, you may have a turn signal that keeps popping out. You keep blowing out a turn signal. You keep replacing the turn signal, it keeps blowing out. Well, the problem isn't the turn signal. The problem is the brain, and it's not communicating. And in our body, you get our body where our head is saying, oh, heal. Make it heal where it can communicate. And that's where he says Christ is our head. He is the head. And can you imagine? Hey, Johnny, can you imagine like uh, if, if you walked around with no head? What if you lost your head? How good would your body be? What if you had the best body in the entire world? If you didn't have a head, what good would it be? Yeah. And, and, and yet most, many of us are walking around like headless Christians because we don't know who Christ is. We know he died, was buried. We know he rose again. But how many of y'all really know what he's doing right now? We got some inklings of it. We're like, oh, he's, you know, yeah, he's my advocate. Ooh, when I really mess up and the devil accuses me, he's doing that all the time. And Christ's saying, yep, paid for that. But he is filling, he's, he's made possible all the blessings we need. Christ at salvation is already, and even before salvation, knew you were going to be saved and filled you up a bag of blessings. And all you got to do is learn how to reach in and grab those. And that's what the book of Ephesians is about. So as he's telling you, you've got everything, he ends with the infamous armor of God. He ends. You know what he says? He's a preacher, and he says, finally. Hey, what does that mean when a preacher says finally? <laughs> Come on, here. What does that mean? 
It means we're, you know, finally, it's like, this is the last subject I'm going to bring. We're still going to be here a while, but this is the last subject. So Paul, after he's telling everything about Christ being the head, the head needing be, uh, to, to be able to run the body. Hey, what happens in our physical body if your head doesn't communicate with your body? How many diseases do we have or symptoms or situations do we have where, where that doesn't work and, and, and your body can't work? He said, man, the head's got to communicate with the body. And, and, and spiritually, it's the same thing. And that's what he teaches in Ephesians. And he says at the very end, he says, finally, finally, he said, I'm going to sum up all the spiritual blessings you have. And it's summed up in the armor of God. But unfortunately, maybe as a child, and maybe even you as an adult teaching the armor of God. How many, how many of y'all ever had a little poster of all the pieces of armor with a little warrior on it? Anybody seen that before? And we're like, oh, this is this, this is, and that's good for kids, but some of us never got past that. We still are like, okay, I got a helmet of salvation, good, if I can hit the head, I'm good. You don't know what it's for so often. And so many of us still have a childlike perception of this armor of God, and we don't know how to use it. And then some people are using it for something that it's not. And, and we're, we're fighting the wrong enemy. And so as I was going through the armor of God in the last month or so, I wasn't even thinking I was preaching on this because I allude to it a lot. It comes up, and it's some of the little lanyap, the little extra I give you. Like, oh, yeah, the armor of God. That could be a whole message, but I'm just going to shove this in right now. That's why we don't get out till 1130. But, dude, I had to go. Man, I went around the block a million times. I was studying the First uh, Peter chapter 5. I was ready to preach it, wanting to preach it. And God just like, in my heart, was like, no. I'm like, God, it's Saturday night. God, I, you know, that was last night. I'm like, I'm ready to preach this. I got that. Like, no. And I'm like, huh. and I'm like, well, okay, so you took me into Psalm 1 this past week. That was good. And I will go study Psalm 1. So I spent hours studying Psalm, looking over Psalm 1 again. And I'm like, is this it? And he's like, nope. <laughs> but you have fun with me? I'm like, yeah, I did. I love you. Where do you want me to go? <laughs> and and I, he just brought up the armor of God. And I'll tell you, as I was going through it this last time in the last couple of months, one day at a time, sending you one piece each day in that little daily devotion, God had made it clear to me what it is and what it isn't than he's ever done in my entire life since I got saved in 1988. He keeps adding, he keeps showing me, he keeps simplifying, saying this is what it is and this is how you use it. And he, God told me last night, he said, man, he communicated my heart. He said, this is what I want you to do. And so it's in a fashion where if it's getting late, I don't have to finish it. We can finish it next week, Terry. All right. You just kind of say, hey, you know, you know, go. <laughs> we, we can finish it next week because I think each part is going to be valuable. But man, if Paul said that we have all spiritual blessings given to us to be able to live a successful Christian life. And then he ends that book by saying, finally, here's the summation of it all. Don't you think it's something we need? How many of you would say, I'm not exactly sure I put on the armor of God every day? Can I see your hand? I'm not sure that I, you know, I just might not. But it's the thing we need. We put a lot of stuff on. You know, you put your seatbelt on. Now we put masks on. Now we put all these different things on. But more important than anything is this armor. So let's take a look at it 
Real quick, I promise I don't have little props. You know, it, back in my youth pastor days and my children's pastor, dude, I'd have a helmet. I'd have whatever kind of equipment so you can remember. But it's way beyond that. This is good. It's not from me. That's why it's good. It came from God. And I can't wait to share this with you. You're like, well, then come on. Let's go. All right. Ephesians chapter 10, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. How long can 10 verses take? All right. But we don't have to finish today, right, Terry? All right. So... Put on the whole armor of God. All right? So put on. What does it mean when you have to put something on? How many of y'all had to put something on? Right? Hey, Bill Cooper, did you sleep in those clothes last night? I'm thinking about it. Not, did, not, not right now. But you, last night, did you wake up? Did you, you had to put those clothes on, right? You know, Barb would be so embarrassed if you came to church and what you slept in last night, probably. Well, I don't know. She doesn't care anymore. Y'all been married a while, right? Yeah. Let him, let him live in his own embarrassment. But when you have to put something on, it means it's not standard equipment. It's not already on. You've got to put this on. How many of you have ever woken up one day and said, I'm putting on the armor of God today, right now? Has anybody done that? Raise your hand if you have. Good. It's something we need to do. It's not like, you know, you walk through the wardrobe thing and boom, it's put on you. You put it on, and it's a decision thing. So it, we're going to start with a couple of thoughts. Um, oh, JJ, did you didn't give me the whole? Hang on a second. Okay. Uh, so it um, finishes with it, but you didn't write it that way. I know I didn't write that way. Okay. All right. All right. So put on the whole armor of God. Um, man, I may have to go to my thing. So the first thought that I want you guys to know is a weak man with the best armor will be easily beaten. You can have the best armor in the world, but if you don't know how to use it, you're going to get beaten. How many of you were in the military? Right? When you went in the military, did they just throw your armor and say, good luck? No. No, they trained you in it. You learned how to, you had to be equipped. You had to have strength. You had to have training. You had to know how to use it. Because a weak person with the best armor in the world can, uh, is going to get easily beaten. So we rely on his might. And the experience of his power as you do his work. Oh, it's going to be hard to preach this way on this one. Uh, so we rely on his might. So God has might, okay? And now the only way you're going to get to tap into his might is if you do his work, okay? And when you do his work, now you can tap into his might and it manifests itself in the way of, of power. So here's people sitting around. Sitting around doing this. Oh, I just want to do what God wants me to do. Well, you're doing nothing. If you're doing nothing, are you going to experience his power? No. God, you well, I know God's got all kinds of might. I know God's really strong. I know God's this. But if you don't need it, he's not giving it to you. What if you step out and say, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it for the Lord. But what if God didn't tell you to do it? What if you're doing your own thing? Are you going to be able to tap into God's power there? No. So listen, man. You can, he'll give you this armor, but if you're, you can't use it in your own strength, and you can't use it for your own stuff. He is full of might. Is there anybody mightier than God, Zane? He is the mightiest, and that's his attribute. He's mighty, and what comes out of mighty, it's like a battery. Man, you can have an awesome battery, but until you hook it up to something for the purpose, you don't understand the power that's found in it. So God is mighty. We sing it, oh, mighty God, mighty God. But until we step out and do what he wants us to do, 
we don't get to experience the power. We know the might, but we don't experience the power until we go to do his work. So go back and let's look at this very first part in here. Oh, here's where, where Paul says this. He starts off, to the Ephesians. Now, mind you, he's chained to Roman soldiers while he's writing this. So can you see, Paul? He's chained to Roman soldiers, and he looks over and says, oh, yeah, you know, your shoes, they're like that. You know, your helmet, it's like that. You know, the sword you guys have, it's like he's taking what he sees in these Roman soldiers, and as he's preaching to him, he said, when you give your life to Christ, you can use spiritual things the same way you use these physical things, only the spiritual things are more powerful. He said, finally, he was preaching this to them for a long time. They were probably ready to release them, weren't they? They were ready for lunch. <laughs> finally, he says, finally, summing it all up, be strong in who? Yeah. How many of you have ever tried to be really, really strong in you and apply God's principles? You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to. I'm not. Yesterday, Terry, oh, my goodness. We're, oh, we were driving back from the zoo. Oh, have you noticed traffic's a little bit different? You know? And they're messing up my video game on my dash of getting really good gas mileage. Literally, I watched numerous times people pull off the exit ramp and pull all the way over to the third lane where I am comfortable. And I am cruising at a nice speed and getting great gas mileage. And they pull over and slow down. US 1, I had a dude pull all the way out, and, and, and it was right at Indrio Road, right? Pulled over, and I'm like a quarter mile away, half mile. I see him pull over, and I just like, all right, cool, he's moving. And as soon as I got, he was doing 15 miles an hour on the phone, and it was on his belly, or his wife, I'm just saying, it was like, oh, I almost creamed him. And in my own power, in my own might, would I be able to respond in a good way? No, no matter what the situation is, it's got to be his power that we tap into because he's so mighty. But if, I'm, if I want to like cuss this guy out or if I just want to get by it and get by him, you know, if, unless I want to do what God wants me to do, I can't tap into his power. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength that's in his might. So, man, get this. The point is, until you're willing to do what he wants you to do. You know what God probably wanted to give me strength for on the road, Terry? Behind the dude who's behind there? Because he didn't give me strength. I used my own strength to do what I did, and it was not very becoming. All right? You know what God probably wanted me to do? He probably wanted me to just kind of slow down and be behind him. Maybe God was saving me from, from something. I don't know. But maybe God wanted me to have patience. Ooh. You think... That's a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. But instead, I was filled with rage and anger. What is that? That's a manifestation of the flesh. So guess what God wanted me to do? Have love, peace, joy, patience, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Hey, how many of those things did I display in that little, that one little thing? Yesterday on the way home, and little Keone brought me so much conviction because Man, a couple of times, we'd be listening to the kids' music. He's going, na, 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 You know, all these little songs we're singing, these kids' songs about, you are my way, Jesus, all these things. And all of a sudden, hey, what are you doing? You know, and Kelly's like, what? <laughs> you know, we're in the middle of singing, and somebody pulls out in front of me, and I just blew the whole spiritual moment because I was in the flesh and not in the spirit. Maybe God wanted me in the spirit so that I could teach my grandson what spiritual patience looks like. 
Love, peace, joy, patience, goodness. You know what? You can talk all you want, but the proof's in the pudding. Go look at your actions. Take the two lists that he gives you in Galatians and look at the list and see which one you really represent. And then talk big as a believer. But how much strength does it take to be patient? When a quarter mile away, the dude pulled in front of you and he's still doing 50 miles an hour. How much patience does it take to be behind him? Especially, I couldn't. There were other ones right there. I'm just saying, I couldn't. I'm smart enough. If I had a chitty chitty bang bang car, buddy, I'd have put it in flight mode, boom, and gone over. But I couldn't. So why would God put me in a situation like that? Because He wants to exemplify fruit. You know what? My wife would have just fell over and passed out if I didn't yell at those people pulling in front of me off the exit ramp. She'll, whoa, that's a spirit-filled husband right there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know. So what I'm saying is figure out what God really wants you to. He says, finally, be strong in the, in the Lord. Because the Lord knows all the times we mess up, we're being strong in our own, in, 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 in our own strength. And when we're being strong in our own strength, do we succeed or do we fail? We fail. And then we try to take our actions and justify them. We try to take our actions and explain away, try to laugh them away, try to do whatever. But in reality, it's the wrong thing. Man, I hope you still let Keone drive with me, you know. <laughs> I, I just, two different times we're seeing, we're in the moment seeing worship songs, and I blew it by yelling at somebody. <laughs> but I couldn't help it. <laughs> but yeah, because I wasn't being strong in the Lord and his might. So here's the key. Guys, you can have the best armor in the world, and you do. But in your own strength, you can't use it. So what we got to do is figure out what God wants us to do with each situation. And then go to the mighty God, and he will give us power to do what he wants us to do. Not what we want to do and all of that. Look at the next random thought on the armor of God as we plow through the armor of God. So we rely on his might and experience his power as you do his work. Uh, listen to this. How much of the armor are we supposed to put on, Chris? Sabrina, how much we put on? How much we supposed to put on? All of it, right? Because what happens in the one piece of armor, the one place where you emit the armor, what happens? That's the area you're going to get hit. So the armor you omit, the armor that you neglect to put on, oh, I have it right here at the bottom of this thing. It says armor you omit is usually the area in which you are attacked. Hey, you're playing football and somebody's got a vulnerable area. What do you do? You go for the vulnerable area. You're, you know, I'm just saying in, in many areas of life, the world, and especially if you've got an enemy like the devil, he's going for the vulnerable area. That's what the enemy's going for. Why would he hit you in the armor? You're protected there. Get, go for the vulnerable area in this. And uh, so look at this. He says, put on the what? That you may be able to stand against the schemes. And that word in the Greek is the word uh, method. We get the word math or methodology from it. Do you understand Satan has a couple of ways of attacking you? He's got a shotgun, a sawed-off shotgun that, you know, you take a sawed-off shotgun, it's got a little bit of spray to it. Not like from me to you, but I'm talking, it, it's got more of a spray than a rifle, right? And so he's got a spray thing, you know. He, he can spray stuff out and hit humanity in general. Because how long has he been dealing with society? As long as man's been alive. You think we have a lot of things in common. He knows what tick. How many of y'all think that there are some similar things that will tick everybody off? Yeah, change. How about when you get old? All kinds of different. There's things he can do. 
But do you know what this is saying? It's saying he's got a specific method. Hey, Bob, Arlie, he knows. He's been, well, how long has how the enemy been watching you? Your whole life. And so do you think, hey, Rose, do yeah. you know how to push your husband's buttons? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, there you go. So it, 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 you only have known him how long? Not his whole life, right? Most of his, years. Uh, 48 years. 48, and how old are you, Bob? Yeah, so Satan's known you even longer than that. So if Rose, after 48 years, knows how to push his buttons, you think Satan knows how to push his buttons? How many of y'all know Satan knows how to push your buttons? Yeah. He's been watching you your entire life, but greater is the one that lives in us than the one that lives in the world. But just understand, at the most vulnerable time, the most inopportune time, the most opportune time for him to blow your testimony, he can push your buttons. That's what this means. So that you can stand against the schemes, the wiles of the devil. He has a plan to push your buttons. Hey, you three little sisters right here. Uh, does Jules know how to push any of y'all's buttons? Yeah. yeah, do you know how to push everyone's buttons? How about Sophie? Sophie's like the motherly pride, but can she push y'all's buttons? <laughs> Trying to boss you around, tell you what to do. However, but we all know how to push buttons. And you got to respond correctly. So he said the way we're going to respond to our buttons getting put, Satan knows exactly what will take you off. He knows what bait to do. Now, let me put this this way. God is much more powerful than him. And who lives inside of us? Christ lives inside of us. And, and Satan's nothing. So Christ knows everything. What does Satan know? Only what he's seen. Only what he's watched. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's not omnipresent. But God is. So it makes sense that if your protection is God, who do you hang out with? God. And, you, and, and you'll take care of all of that in there. So he says, put on the whole armor of God that you're going to stand against the button-pushing devil who knows how to really upset you. Terry, during snowbird season, what is the button he can always push if you live on the island? Traffic. <laughs> and that ain't a hard one to push, is it? But God is allowing him to push that button because God is trying to teach us to tap into the armor. You may, every time we talk about this travel, you may go, oh my goodness, those guys are just so wicked and evil. I'm not nasty to people, but you have your thing. <laughs> you have your thing where your buttons get pushed. And you know that's true. And God's allowing your buttons to be pushed so you can learn how to tap into Christ. So going back to the Beginning in this particular thing, be strong. Oh. Yeah. Where's my beginning statement? All right. I just pushed it 50 times. That's what my wife does on the phone. This thing is stuck. I'm like, now it's just the brain's got to compute all 50 buttons you just pushed. All right. The armor you omit. The armor you omit is usually the area in which you are attacked. So put on the whole armor once we start talking about what that armor is. All right. Now look at this. This was interesting the day God gave this to me. And we're just following Ephesians straight on down. And so he's going to start getting into the armor in a minute. But before we get to this, look at this. We waste our time fighting with people. Hey, how many of y'all fought with people this week? Yeah. How many of y'all fought with people today? Yesterday, yeah, we fight with people. He said, we waste our time fighting with people instead of fighting the devil. Now, listen, 
I know there are people that walk around looking for the devil on every corner. I know believers that spend their entire life trying to find a demon somewhere, and a demon is responsible for everything, everywhere, and all of this. But, but that's not our job. Our job is not to live that way. We're not supposed, where are we ever told to spend our time looking for Satan, looking for demons? Look, who are we supposed to be looking to? Christ. Seek first. The kingdom of Satan and his evilness and all these things will be added to you. Is that what Matthew 6.33 says? No. Seek first the kingdom of what? God. Of God and his righteousness and everything will be added to you. So if you're seeking first the kingdom of God, you got time to be go out devil hunting? He didn't give you a devil hunting license. He's the devil hunter. All right? You seek first him. And so we waste our time fighting people instead of the devil. And listen to me carefully. I'm going to show this to you in the armor of God. The best way to fight the devil is to what? Follow Christ. All right? So listen to this. We're going to go back. Um, um, I got to figure out these. But JJ, can I go back to the scripture that goes with that, please? All right. Awesome. Look at this. He says, he said, look at this. Verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So Terry and I have a disagreement. We have an argument. Charlie and I have an argument, disagreement. I'm not fighting with him. You know what I'm fighting with? I'm fighting with the devil because the devil's using him. <laughs> Is that not right? Is that not right? You got a disagreement with some politician. You got a disagreement with some official. You got a disagreement with your wife or your husband. How many of you would say, the devil has used my spouse? Yeah, every time they do something that is ungodly, the devil is using them. You understand? That's what this is talking about. He's not talking about, you got your little devil gun and, oh, there's even, you know? What he's talking about is, listen to what our enemy is. We have three basic, in, three basic enemies in this world. We have the devil, okay, who also runs this world system, number two. So we've got the devil we have a world system, and we have our flesh. Do we not? So we've got the devil, the world system, and we've got our flesh. And, and, and so the last thing we really want to blame is our flesh, right? Well, why'd you do that? Well, well man, I was just overcome, and, and, and the devil did this, and I, I just, you know, it's your flesh. Which would be easier to say, I messed up. I didn't put on the armor. I didn't use the grace God gave me to make the right decision or to say, you know what? I'm good until I'm delivered. I just can't help myself until I'm delivered. It's not up to me. It's up to whoever's going to deliver me. You've already been delivered if you're a born-again believer. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There's no temptation taking you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. But with the temptation, he will make a way to escape. You just have to get out of your flesh and take his way to get out. But isn't it so much easier to blame it on somebody else, including the devil or a demon or a generational curse? Am I stepping on any toes right now? In modern theology, I am because we can put it in somebody else's hands and there's nothing I can do about it until I get delivered. Guess what? I have no personal accountability, do I? And that's where theology's going. You watch it. If it ain't there now, it's going that way. When in reality, the devil's getting the credit for a lot of stuff you're doing in your flesh. Amen. You have grace. Grace is the desire and ability to do what God has asked you to do. He gives you that desire and he gives you that ability. 
You and your flesh make the choice to reject the world system and hence reject the bait that Satan throws out for you. Amen? Amen. That's the way it's supposed to work right there. So you know what? I got a problem with Terry. You know what? Terry's got a problem with me. Who's being used by the devil? Probably both of us. So I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not that I'm wrestling some spirit and throwing out incantations to him. And, and, and oh, heard this guy say this buzzword. Here, let me use this terminology. And this terminology. Sometimes I ask people, when we talk about this, where did you hear that? Show me where that's at in the Bible. Show me where that's at in context in Scripture. It's not. It's something somebody came up with, some spoken word of God that doesn't match up with the written word of God. Any spoken word of God you've got better match up in context with the written word of God or it's straight from the pit of hell. You can keep playing the games. You can keep doing it if you want. But that's not what God has designed in this. When he says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Yes, the devil runs this world and he's got a hierarchy of government. That oversees all kinds of things, including Zane's property, right? Dude, I pulled up on that property the other day and I said, Zane, I'm going to pray for this property. Can we pray? And now I know where it's at. I want to come pray. But you know what? What I'm praying for is that Zane will do everything God wants him. Zane and Christy, man. I, I, you know, again, we don't fight against people. We fight against people who are being used by the devil. Do you understand? How many of you say, I have been used by the devil? As hard as that is. Now, if you're a believer, who possesses you? The Holy Spirit possesses you. So if you are possessed, how much does the Holy Spirit possess of you? All of you. So if you are totally full and possessed by the Holy Spirit. Now, how long does the Holy Spirit possess you for? Forever. You are full of the Holy Spirit. You are possessed by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, when you get saved, you are full of the Holy Spirit. You have all of him. He just don't have all of you. All right? You have, if you are possessed by the Holy Spirit, you are full of the Holy Spirit, is, then who is there no room for? Satan. You cannot be possessed. But you know what you can do? You can blow off the Holy Spirit, and you can make bad choices, which you need to be accountable for, and, and you need to learn how to use the armor of God, as we're saying. You can make bad choices, and your flesh is responsible for succumbing to the world system and then falling under the trap the devil set you. That's what it really means. It says, we're, yes, there's principalities. Yes, there's all these things. And we won't, most of the time, we spend all our time, well, now, principality, that's over a little area like Fort Pierce, you know. And, and, and then this is over, like, St. Lucie County. And this, is far, Fort Pierce a dark place? Are there principalities over? You bet there is. You've been there your whole life. It's a dark place, just like Jensen Beach is. How about the neighborhood you moved into? Man, you came to be a lighthouse. Have you now seen a lighthouse work in that place? It did work in that place. If you now see a lighthouse, that meant before you got there, it was what? It was dark. And it's Satan running it. But you know who he's running it with? He's running it with people. The same way right now. Oh, Lord, fill this place with your Holy Spirit. Hey, let me ask you a question. Did the Holy Spirit just fly around like doves all through this place? Where does the Holy Spirit live? In you. So if it's going to be full of the Holy Spirit, you got to bring him in here. If people are going to know the presence of God, saying, who's got to bring them here? You do. Well, I don't like that church. There ain't no Holy Spirit there. There ain't no, I don't feel the presence of God. Well, you know what? That might just be your problem. <laughs> if enough of you come full of the Holy Spirit, enough of you come filled with God, with his presence, 
Guess what everybody else feels? It's undeniable. It's not like, oh, the atmosphere. God changed the molecular structure of the atmosphere. And make it full of the Holy Spirit. No, he lives in you. You are the temple of who? It comes back to you being a spiritual being and not being a carnal being. So, yeah, we fight against, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against people who are being used by the devil. And unless we get cocky, that's us. So, you know what? The best way to fight the devil is to follow Jesus. And as you are following Jesus, guess what? You're full of spirit. And the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is what? Love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, me. So as you are full of the Spirit, what do you do to an atmosphere? You change it by God's presence. He says, you're like salt and light, dude. Man, you put salt on anything, it tastes good, right? I mean, well, I'm just saying it tastes good. If you put salt on anything, it tastes like what? Salt. You put it on a piece of cardboard, and it'll taste better than the plain old cardboard, right? Salt's flavor enhancer. You are a flavor enhancer. You, as you walk in the spirit, God is using you to change the environment. No, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You can keep doing all whatever you want to do in all of this. But I'm just telling you, the Satan is laughing. He is there looking at it because people are missing what Paul said. Finally, I'm going to culminate everything you have in Christ who is up there making you be able to be successful. So you want to fight against against the principalities and against the powers, quit being used by Satan. How about that? You quit being used by Satan. And then pray for others to quit being used by Satan. How many of y'all have a politician right now, uh, no names, a politician that you don't care for very much? Anybody? And I'm not going to ask who it is because we can have all kinds of politicians. We so let me ask you a question. If you're a believer and you're saying they're doing ungodly things, who are they being used by? So what's the best thing that could happen to them? Get saved. Yeah. One of two things. One, they get saved. Two, they walk in the Spirit. If they're already saved, the second thing is they walk in the Spirit. So now you've got, a, you got a, a person in your house that you don't like very much, okay, that you're fighting with right now. So what are the two things that would make that better? That they either get saved, and if they're already saved, that they start walking in the Spirit. That's how we put on the armor. That's how we fight. That's how we... That's how we fight. We pray for them. Every time you want to say something negative, nasty about a person who has cut you off in traffic, a person who's taking away your privileges, your rights, a person who's doing all these different things that we hate, instead of publicizing our hate, what we need to do is we need to pray. Amen. And sometimes in that prayer, what has to happen is we got to let God change our heart. If you can't pray that that person would get saved and you would love and you'd be able to spend eternity with them. And you need to pray for desire to be able to do that. God, will you change my heart so that I will love that person? Because I hate them right now. That's on you. How much full of the spirit? You hate somebody? Dude, is that God or the devil, Zane? Yeah. You're, you're, somebody's got a problem with you, man. You know, they might be trying to cast you out of some place. I'm just saying. But don't you see how easy it would be if it's, if it's not my personal responsibility, it's not how I act, it's not how I, how I implement the fruit of the Spirit, how I let the Holy Spirit you know, take control of my body. But if I can blame it on this or whatever, that's so much easier. It's some just force out there. You know, it's just out there. I'm not, I can't do anything about it. 
And, and so I guess I'm just going to be the way I am until I get delivered. Well, good luck with that. Because with that mentality and that theology, you will never get rid of it because you will never be delivered any more than you already are when you give your life to Jesus Christ. Again, I can show you all kinds of scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Again, listen carefully. There is no temptation taking you, Paul wrote to the Corinthians. No temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but with the temptation, make a way to escape. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything you need will be added up to you. So who are you supposed to be seeking? Yeah, you ain't supposed to be going out and getting you a devil hunting permit, a demon hunting permit. I do know people that are looking for demons under every chair, looking for demons in every corner. If I'm looking for a demon, who am I not looking for? You, if you feel like you are compelled to be a spiritual demon hunter, man, by all means, if you can back that up scripturally and that's where you're at, I'm just saying for me, that don't work. What works for me is I spend all of my waking hours seeking the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he says, everything I need is added unto me. That's how I want to do spiritual warfare. You know, Colleen, I, we were talking a little bit about this. And, you know, your, your little daughter right there, man, if there was a big, giant boogeyman knocking on the door, you know, would you, would you send her to go take care? Colleen says, uh, is that Olivia? What's it? Evelyn. Evelyn, Evelyn. Evelyn. Evelyn, I give you the authority to go and kick that person's tail, to go get rid of that big, giant boogeyman. Evelyn, you're like, I don't know, Mom. I really wish you'd do it. Would you rather your mom do it? But, Mom, you know what? I know you can take care of it. Will you go do that? You know? And if you, you wouldn't send her out, you'd go take care of it. That's what he said he's doing for us. Greater is he that, live, that, that lives in us than the one that lives in this world. So if you want to have your little devil hunting permit, go for it. I'm following Jesus. Because I think the best way to fight the devil is to follow Jesus. And I'll end, in, I'll end up in a lot of places I would have ended up if I was following myself. So, again, that's just another thought on there. Look what he says again. Um, oh, which way do I push this again? I'm so confused right now. Uh, Oh, yeah, okay. So go back, go back one more. Go back to that last verse. All right, so he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers. Of, hey, how are you doing beating up cosmic powers right now? <laughs> how are you doing in your cosmic fight right now? Dude, don't, how many of y'all have enough trouble just keeping your own self straight? Doing what God wants you to do. And again, that's the answer. The best way to fight the devil is to follow Jesus. I'm not making spiritual warfare light, but how many of you really, again, God, I want to give everything. I've had few encounters where I have been with a demon-possessed person, dude. And I am going to tell you, if you have ever truly been there, you don't ever want to experience that ever, ever again. I don't. I got goosebumps thinking about it because I'm nothing compared to the enemy, but he's nothing compared to my Lord. I want to stay as close to the Lord as I can so that if I ever get in a situation. And you know what? When I was in that situation where there was a demon-possessed person, dude, did I try to fight him on my own? <laughs> no, dude, this is for real. This ain't no mamby-pamby, like, you know, play thing, dude. It was for real. I'm talking like, oh, I don't even want to say it. And, and I'm like, God, God, in the name of Jesus, cover this with the blood. Get up. I, I could do nothing. 
That's why I got to laugh when people are saying, hey, get out of here, Satan, I command you to do You ain't going to command Satan to do nothing when he snarls and it's ugly. You can't even handle a pit bull when they growl at you, <laughs> let alone Satan. We're playing. That's what everybody's doing is we're playing. Amen. He's the one who's got to take care of all of that stuff. We just live right. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual force of evil in heavenly places. Yeah, understand Satan's got a hierarchy. Understand there's a battle. Understand you're no match except for the blood and power of Jesus Christ. And let him do his job. You do yours. Make disciples and be a disciple, which, by the way, is leading people to Christ because that will change them. So he said, man, therefore, therefore, because all this I just shared with you, we ain't got any the armor yet. That's a good thing we don't have to finish today, right? Therefore, take up the what? How much of the armor? Because, dude, if you don't cover your shins, where's he going to kick you? Yeah. And he's got other places he likes to kick you, too. But, man, he will, he will attack the place that you are not covered. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. We're in an evil day. And, and, and our ancestors were in an evil day. Things are getting more and more evil. If there's ever a time, it's now. Your kids are going to need you to teach what this really means. In the evil day, having done all, what does he say? Stand firm. So you've got to stand, and we're going to learn how to actually do what you're supposed to do. Okay? You're holding tough, and you're trusting the system God's got. You're trusting him. Okay? So you stand. Do everything you do. So it's not like, okay, well, here I am. You know, God's got it all handled. I just sit on the couch eating spiritual bonbons. That's not it. You have a thing to do, and that's what he's getting ready to tell you. And it's all character. It's all character. It's all stuff you're equipped to do. Because in the end, what is it we want to hear from him? At the end, well done what? And you know what? How many of y'all are, how many of y'all believe all of us are equally talented? Gary, are we all equally talented? No, I, now, Gary, you're a beautiful soul, man. But are there people here that are more beautiful physically than you? That's hard to believe, man. Beauty's in the eye of the Lord. I'm just saying, we're not all equally beautiful. We're not all equally talented. We're not all equally gifted. We're not all that. But guess what two things every one of us can be? Good and faithful. Can we not? Good and faithful. So we're going to take up that whole armor of God so we'll be able to withstand the evil. And having done all, stand firm. Be good and be faithful. Faithful means you're full of what? Faith. Yeah. What are you full of? Seriously. What are you full of? If you're full of faith, you are being faithful. Good and faithful. If you're full of faith, you're going to do the good thing. So you've got to be full of faith to be good and faithful. So look at the next thought as we continue through it. All right, we waste our time fighting people instead of the devil. Think about that the next time you're fighting with somebody. Could be a waitress at a restaurant. Could be somebody got your order wrong. Could be somebody did some bonehead thing. Are we supposed to, as believers, fight with them? No, but in the flesh, what do we want to do? I want to knock them out. I want to fight. But in the spirit, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to love them. And in fact, I'm supposed to love them like what? How? how like what? Well, that's, that's, that's your wife. <laughs> love Christ. Yeah, you're supposed to love them the way Christ. Yeah, we're supposed to love them like we would like to be loved. Yeah, but yeah, to love your wife like Christ loves the church. Absolutely. That's a hard one there, too. So, <laughs> not just your wife. I'm talking anybody's wife. <laughs> I didn't want Sri to take that personal, you know. But literally, we're supposed to love them. That dude from 
I know I can remember his license, but I can probably even tell you what it said because he was going so slow. I'm supposed to love him. I don't know. Maybe his truck, his car limped in from Idaho. That was a possibility. And that was as fast as he could go. Maybe he needed me to lovingly tell him he didn't belong in the left lane. <laughs> Maybe on the side of the road. But I didn't, get, I didn't give God the chance to do any of that. We're supposed to love them. Love is something we can only get from God. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So, dude, we need to follow God. We follow Him. That's how we fight the enemy. You tell me you bring love into places, the devil isn't going to get ticked off. You bring peace and joy and all that. That's going to fight the enemy better than any of your little phrases and whatever else you're, you're demanding of God to do. Which, by the way, again, I think when we face God Almighty... Hey, at the great white throne of judgment, all the people who thought that they were going to stand before God and tell him what if and compare it to every Christian. As soon as they saw him on the white throne, what were they doing? Saying, dude, yeah, they were bowing, they were running, they were praying for the rocks to crush on them because they got it wrong. And when we see God in his majesty, I don't think we're going to say, well, now you promised me there are going to be horses in heaven and, you know, or whatever. We're not going to make any demands of him. We're going to be, oh my goodness, I am not so unworthy. Oh, my goodness, thank you. Oh, my, you are awesome. Well, how come I didn't know that that's how awesome you were? Well, that's because you had bad theology. But anyways, all right. Because you didn't base it on the word of God. <laughs> so we waste our time fighting people instead of the devil. The best way to fight the devil is to follow who? Jesus. Right on. All right, don't forget that one, man. Because you're, you know, do you ever notice that when you learn something in church, you're going to have within 24 hours an opportunity to use it? So guess what you guys are going to encounter the minute you get out of here? You're going to fight with people. You're going to have an opportunity. How many of y'all believe? You believe? How many of y'all are praying that? God, give me the opportunity. And please let me respond in the right way. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. He's going to give you a test. And you're going to see where you are in your relationship with him. All right, so now we get into the armor itself, all right? So the first thing is make a commitment to live by God's truth and then actually do it. Okay, that's what the first piece of armor is, is to make a commitment that I'm going to live by the truth and then actually do it. Okay, how many of y'all made commitments and didn't, didn't, do, didn't do it? <laughs> you know, you bought a piece of exercise equipment and then you didn't do it. <laughs> it didn't do you any good, did it, right? So this is what the very beginning is of the armor of God. It's all about character. It's all about decisions. It's all about about surrendering our will to him. Look at what he says in verse 14. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of what? Okay, so the belt. They wore a dress. They wore a tunic. I'm not going to go on the whole thing we talked about before, but honestly, you can't run in a dress, can't fight in a dress, you know, especially a long one. And so they had a belt, a big, thick belt that came across. And just like construction, hey, you, you, you're a contractor, right? Do you guys ever wear a tool belt? Not you anymore, but guys you hired, they wear tool belts? Why do they wear a tool belt? Carry everything, because what if they had to keep going back to the truck all the time? Zane, how'd that work out? Always go back to the truck. You're the boss, man. You're the boss. Hey, you're wasting time. You got you wear a tool belt, so you got everything you need right there, right? And it means you're ready to work. What if you go out to a job where the dude's supposed to have a tool belt, and you don't have a tool belt on? You what? You give him one, right? What if he refuses to wear it? Yeah, we have a talk. And he, you know, but so that's what this belt was. It was a tool belt. You put the belt on because you're ready to work. And what it represents is you put on this belt, and it's where they have their sword, their everything. And it is the belt of what? What is it? The belt of what? Truth. Truth. 
So what this means is you put that bell, tool belt on like you're ready to go to work. And the belt represents truth. So you wake up in the morning. You, you get this revelation in the middle of day. It might be as you're going to sleep that, you know what? I am going to live by the what? Truth. The truth. If you aim at nothing, you hit it. How many of y'all know that? You aim at nothing, you hit it. So what if you just wake up in the morning like, don't be dumb, I'm just good. You know, you have no goal other than to make it through the day. How many times are you going to get duped and not live by the truth? What if your goal when you woke up, what if your goal in life every day was, I'm going to live by the truth? Now, I'm not saying you're going to hit it all the time, right, Matt? But you've got a whole lot better chance of hitting it if that is your goal. So you know what he's saying? Finally, because you have a whole grocery bag of all spiritual blessings. You don't need anything more than what God's already provided. He said the first thing you're going to need to do is make the commitment, have the mental recognition that you are going to live according to the truth. I wonder how many of you would pray that, would walk out of here and say, I'm going to live by the truth. Right now, I'm going to live by the truth. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to live by the truth. Again, if you don't have a target, you know Charlie Brown? You always remember Charlie Brown? Did you ever see how he shot arrows at targets? He would go to the fence, he would go get away from the fence, and you'd like this because you got bow arrow, right? Don't you got bows? He'd take it and he'd shoot arrows at the fence. And then he'd go and take a piece of chalk and he'd draw circles around them. <laughs> and say he had the bullseye. I wonder how indicative that is of our life. We just shoot and we hit stuff and hit it and then say, oh, well, compared to them, I'm successful. Oh, you know what? That's what I meant to do. <laughs> yeah, that's success. Instead of drawing a target. Isn't that what you do when you cite things in, right, bro? We cite things in. And you know what? Boom, and we're off. They shoot a group of three. Boom, boom, boom. They're all off. What do you got to do? Check, move the scope, you know? And then boom, until you're on target. But what if you were just, have you ever seen the guys at the range, the yahoos that come out there, and they're like, boom, 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 boom. You brought some out before, right? No, I'm just joking. But anybody been to a gun range before? How many of y'all want to be in the, in the stall right next to the guy who's not aiming at anything? <laughs> no, hey, how, how do you use this thing, man? It's, hey, you know, like, stop. One thing, you know, and, and even going there, it's not even a matter of aiming at the right thing. It's making sure you don't aim at the wrong thing, isn't it? Isn't that one of the first rules? Don't point it at anybody or anything. Hey, stop. It's the same thing spiritually. you got to have a target. What is our target? Our target is the what? The truth. Make the commitment. Make Make the decision, I'm living for the truth because we aim at nothing, you hit it. So stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Make a commitment to live by God's truth and then actually do it. Okay? So go back to this previous verse. Look at this. Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth. Look at the next part. Having put on the what? The breastplate of what? Righteousness. Righteousness is actually doing it. Now, check this out. If you had a breastplate, okay, so here's your breastplate. What's the breastplate covering, Ryan? It's covering, okay, vital organs. So this one is what? Your heart. What does your heart represent? Your will, your decisions, what you want to do. Have you ever had your heart set on something? Even something wrong. And it's like your heart set on it, dude. That's your will. So the breastplate's going to cover your decision-making process. It's going to cover your will. But what is this? You're like, well, that's a big belly full of food right there. No, but, but literally, what these are our guts, right? It covers your heart and your guts. What are the guts associated with in Scripture? 
your feelings, your emotions. So one, you started the day by saying, you know what? I am going to live according to the truth. That's my target I'm aiming at. Now, how many of you ever done that? And then all of a sudden you, 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 you hit a part of the day where all of a sudden, well, I don't want to do it that way. Anybody ever hit a, day, hit a part where you're like, I don't want to do it God's way. I don't want to do it. God, I don't want to do it that way. God, I really want to run into this dude from, from Idaho and teach him a lesson. I don't want to do it that way. Uh, we need the breastplate. We need to actually do what we have committed to, to, to doing. How about feelings? Anybody have had feelings get in the way? I don't feel like doing that. Ooh, I'm scared. If I do it that way, it's not going to work when God told you it would. We need our feelings and we need our will checked. So first, you put on the, the belt of truth to say, I'm going to live by the truth. But then you actually do it, regardless of what your feelings and regardless of what your will wants to do. So where do we find the truth? In the word of God. And faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if we're not in the word of God, then what do we live by? We live by our feelings and our own will and our own thoughts. They get us in trouble. We need the word of God all the time in our lives to be able to change my feelings. Where God can say, hey, I want, you know what, you feel this way, but that's not the truth. You, you want this, but this is not the best for you. You're thinking this, but Charlie, we need to do what to our minds? Renew our minds with the word of God because our minds do some crazy things. Make mountains out of molehills. And so, one, you make a commitment to live by the truth. Two, you actually do it. The breastplate covers your will and your emotions, your feelings and your desires. If they go against God, guess what I'm doing? I'm going with God. I'm not going with my gut. I'm not going with my Hey, Zane, you like to talk about this. What did Jeremiah say about the heart? Yeah, go read Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, it is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. So how many of y'all, how many of y'all make a lot of decisions based on your heart? You know? You know, your heart gets set, I'm going for it, that's my goal. He said, it's desperately wicked. It's totally against God. And you're going to end up in trouble. So man, you make a commitment to live by truth. Now the breastplate says you're actually going to do it, regardless of how you feel and what you want. Look at this next part. Okay, so you make a commitment to live by God's truth, and then you actually do it. Uh, next part. Check this out. He talks about shoes. And so what I want you to think about is if you know you have eternal peace with God, then that should give you firm footing, right? And so possessing eternal peace with God provides the footing for everything we do. So going back to the verse, and as shoes for your feet. So he talks about shoes. Having put on the readiness, being prepared, given by the gospel of peace. Hey, so when you gave your life, before you gave your life to Jesus, Bob, all right, you ready? Not just lights on, but when you gave, before you gave your life to Jesus, you and him were enemies, okay? That, that's just the fact. Once you gave your life to Jesus, are you still enemies now? No. He loves you. Is there anything you can do to ever be his enemy again? No. He possessed. And so, so you have peace. And how long does that peace last for? Forever. You have eternal peace. So you know you are on God's team. So the Roman soldiers, okay, when they went out to war in the slippery mud, you know what they wore? They wore ballet slippers. What would happen if they wore ballet slippers? Bill, what would happen if the Roman soldiers were fighting in the mud, had all the best armor, but they had ballet slippers? Hey, you're in the Marines, right? You guys wore ballet slippers, right? Yeah. Unlike the Coast Guard. Yeah. 
Yeah, and Marines, you wore ballet slippers. You wore whatever, man. You could have done it in ballet slippers. But the other branch of the Army, they wore ballet slippers, right? What happens if you've got ballet, ba ballet slippers on your feet in the mud? Bill, what happens? Yeah, they'll come off. You got no traction. You got no protection. But the Roman soldiers wore cleats. They had sandals that were thick leather with cleats. Now, when you're wearing cleats and you've got thick leather, you don't care if somebody steps on your toe because you got protection. You're getting pushed back, but you're not slipping. You've got firm footing. You know what gives us protection and gives us firm footing? The fact that we are on God's side. The fact that we have made peace with God. On your deathbed, what is everybody always talking about on the deathbed? Well, do you have peace with God? Do they have peace with God? Do they have peace? Make peace with God. If you give your life to Christ, you have peace with God. You've got it forever. You don't ever have to worry. Whatever happens to you, what's the worst they can do to you here? Kill you, right? You're like, well, I don't know about that. But yeah, they kill you. The absence of the bodies to be what? Present with the Lord. And the closer you get to him, the more you don't mind that. Not that you're masochistic and you want to die. You don't want to miss what he's got for you because this is the only time we've got to show him how grateful we are for what he has done and given us eternal life. But the fact is, is that the worst they can do is kill us. And, and how long are you going to be in eternity? Hey, Mike, how long are you going to be there with him? Imperfection, all expense paid paradise, forever. Are you going to be like, oh, God, please let me go back to work one more day? Let me go sell fertilizer to some people that they can cuss me out and be mad at me all. Please, let me breathe in some more pesticides. No, when we get to heaven, that's home. You get to go home. And so, look, when you know that you are his, he gives you, that means whatever you're going through in life right now, he's put you in it. He's allowed you to be in it. He's given you traction to stand. So stand, like he's told us numerous times. And do what he says to do because he's got a purpose in it. And it's usually to make you more like him and bring him glory in no matter what it is. Zane, you're still wondering how this uh, house is going to make you. It's already making you more like him sometimes, <laughs> depending on how you do the armor, right? <laughs> but it's going to bring him glory one day. I know it is. I, I prayed over that place, man. I felt like, man, I can't wait to see what God's going to do in that place. There's going to be his glory. And you've already shared illustrations where God has gotten glory out of it. Now, yet given us the bad stories. Chrissy was telling us those, but no. <laughs> so again, the shoes give us traction. And the shoes represent the fact that we have peace with God. Once you make peace with God through Christ, is there anything that can take that peace? No. no, it's done. So possessing eternal peace with God provides footing for everything we do. Doesn't matter. Emily, who's your body belong to? Who's your mind belong to? Everything belongs to him. So he gets to do with it whatever he wants to do. And that's the best. And one day you're going to spend eternity with him. It doesn't matter. Even if you do have to spend a whole week alone with my dog this week. You know? <laughs> it just found out this morning. You know? <laughs> she thought we were taking her with us. Anyways, let's move on real quick. <laughs> All right. So the next part of the armor is really the shield of faith. And so what I want to encourage you guys to do is capture all your wrong thoughts Everybody do this just real quick, just so I know you're alive. Your wrong thoughts, your wrong desires, and your wrong feelings. Wouldn't that be awesome? How many of you have been led astray by either your thoughts or your desires or your feelings? 
How many of you have done wrong things based on your thoughts, your desires, and your feelings? Usually it starts with a gut feeling. Oh, I'm scared or emotion. I got it. And then all of a sudden your mind starts working and then it convinces your heart this is what you got to do. They work together. Do you know they work together as enemy? That's why they have to be captured by Christ. Because those things, your, your feelings dictate your mind and your mind dictates your heart. And that's what you do once your heart's set on it. So we have to capture wrong thoughts, desires, and feelings. Look what he says in here. In, uh, in what, what's the next word? Yeah, all circumstances. Every circumstance you are in, he said, take up the shield of faith with which you can, what's the next word? Extinguish. What does that mean to extinguish something? Put out. Yeah, put out, to put it out. Like it's smoldering. And, and, and he said, so you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So the Roman soldier, he was looking at the soldier, and he's probably looking at the, the shield where flaming arrows had been extinguished because they had a couple of different kinds of shield that go into battle. One was they would have steel shields. So if they were shooting arrows with hard points, broadheads, it would hit and deflect off. You know what? The faith you get from the word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, will deflect the lie. We'll deflect a lie. Zane, you got to take all your clothes off and run around naked to be saved. <laughs> Go to work. No, that's, that's a lie. Somebody tells you that. Somebody tells you something wrong that's not according to the word of God. You know the word of God and it just deflects it. Sometimes it's that easy. You hear a lie and you're like, no, that ain't right. Boom, I'm not even paying attention to that. But sometimes what the enemy would do is shoot flaming arrows. Anybody ever shoot flaming arrows, man? Dude, we were kids, we made and they were fun. And uh, But what they would do is they would take tar balls. That was in Orlando before there was concrete. But um, they would take tar balls, and they would put them on the end of arrows, and they would wrap cloth and stuff, and they would light them. And the enemy would shoot it, and when that flaming arrow now hit the opposing army, what would it do? Yeah, Adam, what would it do? You sound like you've made flaming arrows. You ever made flaming arrows? Your mom's behind you. She's not going to kill you in church only afterwards. You've made flaming arrows, man? Dude, when they hit, they splatter. They not only get on the person aimed at, but everything else. How many of y'all ever been hit with a flaming with a, a, a flaming arrow? Something hits you and it splatters on your whole family. He says that, man, he said, you take up the shield of faith, it will extinguish that flaming dart. So it's the shield of faith. Where do we get faith? We get faith from the word of God. You've got to be in the word doing what with your mind, Charlie? Renewing. Because your mind, believe it or not, Charlie, you're a sharp dude, but your mind just doesn't stay new, does it? No. That's why we have to renew. How many of y'all minds new all the time, man? You've got to renew, meaning you get wrong thoughts and you've got to put the right ones in from God's word. So he says, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. How many of the flaming darts can you extinguish? Oh. Yeah. So can the devil shoot anything at you that the word of God's not going to cover? How important is it for you to have the word of God? That's where you do it. You throw the verse. You've got to believe. God, everything in me seems this is wrong, but I'm doing it your way, God. And I'm hanging in there. These darts are splattering everywhere, but i got to know you're going to extinguish this. And I keep doing it your way. I seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness and everything you need. I need will be added to me. You hang in there with a, like a soldier would with a shield that's getting pounded. Because there are times when you're going to get pounded. But afterwards, you got some cool stories, don't you? So, almost done right here. He says, capture all your wrong thoughts, desires, feelings with faith in God through the truth of his word. 
You don't get to make up who God is. You don't get to come up with your own version of God. You find out who God is in the Word. And let me ask you a question. Who is the Bible about? About God. Yeah, it's about Christ. Do you believe it's not you? It's really not about you? How, uh, and let me ask you a question. What's life about? Who is life about? It's about him. How many of y'all thought life was about you? Let me see again. You thought life was about you? I heard Francis Chan use this illustration in Crazy Love. He said, you know what? Imagine, Ryan, you get to be a movie extra. And you have a little two-second clip, and it's the back of your head, but we know it's you, you know, for some reason. And so the movie's getting ready to come out, is, is, uh, and all of a sudden you invite all the people to see you as the extra, all right? So they come out, your mom's like, oh, there's my Hollywood movie star song. This is going to leave. You know, I know your mom's not that way, but I'm just saying, it's like, there you are. Everybody comes out to support you, and they look, and there's your two-second clip, right? Okay, is the movie about you? No, what if you rented a theater? And you went ahead and invited all the people. Hey, there is a movie about me. And, and I want you guys to all come. And man, you have popcorn, free popcorn drinks, all kinds of, you know, veggie platters, whatever. And you bring everybody. And they see your two-second clip. And you've already told them the movie's about you. What would they be thinking? You're an idiot. <laughs> this movie's not about you. <laughs> this movie is about something else, but you're just an extra. And do you understand, in compared to eternity, you have a two-second clip. This movie, this life is not about you. You have a short period of time. God was around when he was created. The world was created. He said, yeah, this is good. Were you there? Did he say that to you? Oh, hey, Boston, dude, come here, check out my world, man. I'm going to create you in like a couple, you know, 10,000 years. And, no, you weren't there. Were you there when most parted the sea? Were you there for any of this other stuff? Who was there for it all? So who is this movie about? God. So instead of making it all about you, we should be making it about God, figuring out how awesome he is, and be honored that he would let us have that cameo two-second clip, <laughs> you know. And we should make the most of it. Ryan, if you got a two-second clip and the director says, all I want you to do is stand there and look cool, all right? What do you not do? <laughs> Try to be the star, right? <laughs> you know, because then they're going to cut you out. Seriously. For this two-second clip we have, we need to be who God wants us to be. So, super quick on this. I promise this is going to go back quick. It's hard to be discouraged when you know that you are on God's team and he has already won. Isn't that? How many of y'all are, anybody here going to watch the Super Bowl? Uh, you can be on, yeah. Okay, how many of y'all even have to have a team? How many of y'all are excited the Bucks are? I could do the Bucks. Maybe, I know people who have ditched the Patriots because they were just really Brady fans. You know, a lot of those. And they're watching because of that. You know, how many of you ever watched an athletic event and really, man, you had butterflies so bad that you were rooting for a team? You know, there were people, sports used to be like that before it got political, right? All right, where we actually rooted for people and stuff. And, and, and so, man, uh, who was it that a couple of years ago in the Super Bowl that went in with like a 80,000 point lead and then they blew it? Was that Atlanta? Yeah, that was Atlanta Hawks, right? They were it. Everything. So at halftime, people were even, it was, they were winning by how many points, man? 250 points, man. And, and, and it was like, yeah. And then as you're watching them, if you were one of the other fans, you just kind of died out in all of this. You know, again, if you were an Atlanta fan and you were screaming right now, how'd you feel at the end of the Super Bowl? It got pretty grim. Yeah, it got pretty grim. Who was it? The Patriots? Some illegal play Belichick always does, right? You know? The, the cheater, anyway, but they, uh, 
It shows it's all about Brady now. But anyways, I'm just messing with you. But, but at the end, man, if you were a diehard Patriots fan, did you ever give up? No. What if at halftime you knew what the outcome was going to be? How much money could you have made in the betting world <laughs> if at halftime you would have made a bet and said, I'm, put, I'm betting the house, I'm betting the farm, I'm betting everything, but the Patriots are going to win. Uh, you could have made a lot of money if you would have known how it ends. And in the world, that's success. But you know what? How much can we accomplish if we know who's going to win? How many times at halftime right now do we look defeated? Do we look like we're going to lose, but we know who's going to win? It's hard to be discouraged when you know that God has already won and you're on his team. to the scripture. He said, look, take the helmet of salvation. <laughs> Simple as that. You are saved. And how long are you saved for? Forever. Take the helmet and that's going to protect your thought process. And if you already know you're going to win, if the Patriots knew they were going to win, nobody would be discouraged at all. You know? And that's how we should be. We know we're going to win in the end. Almost done here. So it's hard to be discouraged when you know that you're going to win, you're on God's team and he's going to win. Look at this. We've talked about this before. If you have the perfect defense, but no offense, all right? Soccer fan. Oh, uh, back here. Soccer fan, man. So you have the perfect defense. What does the other team score? Nothing. And, but if you have no offense, what do you score? Nothing. So what do you get? A tie. That's the best you can do. How many of y'all have a perfect defense? Anybody here have a perfect defense? The enemy can never score against you? But if you So you're already going to get scored against. But if you can't score, then you're going to lose. So if you have a perfect defense, which none of you do, but no offense, which some of you don't have, I, even me, at some point, the best we can do is tie. Look at this. He talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I just want to say this, that the only offensive weapon we have is the word of God. And we need to ma masterfully develop the skills to use it. Now, sometimes we think that the word of God is like this big broadsword where we take this giant sword and we just start swinging it. But this actually in this scripture, the, what the word sword means is talking about a Machaira sword, which was a little sword that the zealots would use. They'd have it tucked away. And what they would do is walk around. They'd see a Roman soldier and they'd see a little chink in his armor and they'd go Boom, and pull it out. And the soldier would die and they'd just keep walking on. It's almost like a surgeon's scalpel. How many of y'all would let me operate? I have a scalpel. Would you let me operate? Bill, can I do surgery on you? Anytime. Seriously, man? You'd really let me do surgery on you? Really? Would you really let me do surgery on you? <laughs> oh, it'll be quick, bro. No problem. You'll bleed out like nothing, man. But literally, why wouldn't you let me do surgery on you? Because I don't have the skills to use the scalpel. That's the kind of skill he's talking about with the Word of God. So do you think you can develop that by just listening to it on Sunday? Do you think you can develop that by, man, even just listening to message? You know what you've got to do? How many of you just really dove into the Word of God and let him speak to you? Anybody done that? And then he just, that's where you develop those skills on how to use the Word of God, learning it in context as to what it's for and what it's not. So again, masterfully develop the skills to use the only offensive weapon he's given us. And what's the only offensive weapon? The word of God. So again, it's not like you check a Bible, you know, check a little chart God's got and say, oh, I read the Bible today, now bless me. No. 
I always tell people it's like deodorant, dude. You know, you can have a 55-gallon drum of this stuff, but if you don't put it on your arm, you're going to stink. you got to apply it. you got to apply it. That's the Word of God. Last and almost, not least, <laughs> almost here, two more. Uh, your prayers are the hands that you put on all the armor with. Look what he says. He says, pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So pray when, Karen? All time. So does that mean we always got to drop, you know, drop, flop, and roll? Is that what it is? Drop, stop, and roll. Yeah, sorry. Stop, drop, and roll. I mean, if we got to get on our knees and pray now. Drop, flop, and roll, man. I... That's what they call for Pierce, man. <laughs> Whatever it takes. No, but literally. No, dude, when can you pray? What can you, hey, Carol, what can you be doing while you're praying? I saw you just now. You were just like, with your eyes closed and you're praying for the rapture. No, I'm messing with you. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I, I got you, Dory. No problem. <laughs> what, what position do you have to be in to pray? Any position. What can you be doing in praying? Anything. So you're always praying while you're doing other things. Anything you're doing. Because, Karen, the difference between prayer and worry is what? Yeah, the difference between prayer and everything is who you're talking to. Anything you're doing, anything that's going on, bring God in on the conversation. Is God going to get ticked off at you, Johnny, because you don't stop and give him undivided attention? No, in fact, sometimes like, hey, you're getting ready to mess up, and, and, and I want you to pray. I want to talk you out of doing something stupid. <laughs> and, and, and that's part of prayer because, in fact, look at this. He said, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer. Prayer is simply just talking to him, but supplication. If we're not careful, we just look over that word. Supplication, you know what that is? That's telling God what we'd like to see happen in a matter. You know when that guy was doing 15 miles an hour? I didn't stop and tell God what I'd like to see happen in the matter. You know? Maybe if I would have stopped and told God what I'd like to see happen in the matter, he would have talked me out of what I did. Maybe he would have given me empathy. Maybe in the conversation, I would have then been able to be talked into doing what he wanted me to do. So in this, he said, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. If you're going to put on any of the armor of God, you've got to do it with the hands of prayer. You know, if we had time right now, I'd have Chris, man. I'd have an extra set of clothes and say, all right, Chris, hey, put on these clothes, but don't use your hands. How many of y'all could have got dressed this morning without your hands? I want you in the privacy of your own home to try it, okay? Get dressed without hands. That's like trying to put on the armor of God without prayer. Let's move on real quick and we're done. So your hands are the prayers you use to put on every piece of armor. But look what Paul says. He tells them to pray in such a way that if God were to answer your prayers, he'd be glorified. I want to challenge you to do that with your prayer request. You know, God, get him out of the way. No, would God be glorified? I don't know. But pray in such a way that if God were to answer your prayers, he would be glorified. And there's a good chance if he can't be glorified in it, there's a pretty good chance you shouldn't be praying it. But look at how Paul asked them to pray for him. He said, to that end, now that I've finally showed you the whole armor of God, you know, that you're going to make a commitment to the truth, you're going to actually live it out, you're going to have firm footing and not slip because you know you have peace with God, you know, you're going to have a shield that's going to be able to extinguish all the fiery darts of the devil, you know, you've got a helmet to know that you're saved, and so on, and so on. Now, and, and you need prayer to put all this on. He said, to that end, now that you know you have all of this and all your spiritual blessings are found in it, he said, keep alert. In other words, that's not just walking through life, dum-de-dum-de-dum. -de -dum -de -dum. 
and waiting to be hit by something. He says, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So again, you're praying for who? Others. Because if you love God, he causes you to love others. How much of your prayer time is praying for others? And that's, that's a big part. Because if your mind's on others, it can't be about your own stuff. You can't be in your own pity party. So if you love God, he causes you to love others. Pray for others, making supplications for all the saints. And also, Paul said, pray for me. Run out of somebody, pray for, pray for me. And he said this, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Pray that I can share the gospel correctly. That's something you can pray for every believer, including yourself. That's going to bring God glory. He said, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul's saying, pray that I can make disciples. That's a good prayer for anyone. So much of our prayer is our pity party and so on. And I think what God wants us doing is he wants us spending time with him, realizing how awesome he is, realizing what we have in heaven, and then praying for others. We pray for others, and you know what? It's amazing how our needs shrink when our minds are on others. So if you can imagine this, Paul. Where was Paul when he wrote this? We're done. If you get these answers right, oh, all right, we're done. I'll let you out. <laughs> what was that? The, how many years have you been here? And you sent me the first message. You sent me a meme, and it said there is a... Oh, he remembers it, all right? There, <laughs> how many years ago was that? Like four, four or five years ago? There is a fine line between what? Okay. Uh, there's a fine line between a long sermon and a hostage situation. <laughs> and that was when I only preached like half hour, 45 minutes. Man. And I'm like, wow. Like, I promise we're almost done. Man. You want shorter messages? Pray for them. <laughs> pray. Pray for me. I really do want to do what God wants us to do. And that's where we're at. I promise, man. So, until I get delivered, bro. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so imagine this. Where's Paul at in this? Paul is in prison. All right, so if you're in prison, Barb, whoever, all y'all, think about right now if you were in prison, chained. Some of y'all are like, we are. <laughs> My mama told me I just can't get up and walk out of church, man. You know, get struck by lightning bolt or something. But literally, if you were chained in prison, who would most of you guys be thinking about right now? Yourself. And what would you be thinking about? How can I get out of this? And if I can't get out of it, man, how unfair is this that I got chained here for doing the right thing? I'm not guilty. If I could be one of those people and have a different tier of justice, if I could afford a better lawyer, if I could... Who would we be thinking about if we're chained in prison ourselves? But you know what Paul was thinking? He loved God. And God gave him the ability to love others. So as he's there, chained to four, four soldiers... He's like sitting there making, not making small talk. He's like, hey, dude, you see that shoe? That shoe reminds me of the fact that I have firm footing with God because I have peace with God. Do you have peace with God? Hey, that helmet reminds me I'm saved forever. When I, when I die, I'm going to hell. So if you kill me, I'm going, I mean, I'm going to heaven. Sorry. <laughs> if you died right now, where are you going, pal? You know, he's like, he's like, you know, but that shield, how often has that shield saved you, man? You know what, when, when I get in tough times and, and I start getting lies thrown at me and stuff, man, he looked around and who did he care about? He cared about the dudes who were probably beating him and making fun of him and spitting on him and chaining him, keeping him captive. That only comes when you love God. How many of us would have been sitting there chained to those prisoners and had a big pity party? 
And the prisoners couldn't wait to get off watch because you just brought them down so bad. That may be you at work. Maybe you at home. Maybe you in your neighborhood, in your little group. Instead, what God wants, man, God's put you with those people. Because you're set for life. You're going to heaven. All expense paid trip to paradise. He wants you to see life from his perspective so you can help others do the same. That's what Paul did as he was chained. He took every article they had and said, wow, this reminds me of something spiritual. Hey, you think that did Paul any good? Mike, you think that did Paul any good? Yeah. It did him good, but it did even more good for the people he got to share it with. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So pray in such a way, God be glorified through to answer your prayers and literally put on the whole armor of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, giving to this to me day by day. And Father, I know I send these texts out a lot to people and they may just kind of look at them. Some, uh, and sometimes they don't make sense to them because they didn't study all the things I studied. It makes sense to me, but not to them. I pray, Father, if that was the case, that today some of this made more sense. Father, I pray that we would truly put on the whole armor of God since all our spiritual blessings are found in it. Father, I pray that um, we would make the decision to live by the truth. We would go against our thoughts, our feelings, and our desires and, and go for the truth with you. I pray we would find comfort in knowing that we have peace with you forever. Pray, God, that we would know the word so well that it can be a shield to extinguish lies from the enemy, but it could also be a sword where we can cut those lies apart so no one else gets hurt by them. Father, I pray that we would just walk around in prayer and we would be able to talk to you about everything and see everything from your perspective because then that's the perspective that we would share. Father, I pray if there's someone that's never truly given their life to you. I pray today your Holy Spirit would just give them a desire they can't refuse to believe what I preached and to be able to surrender everything they know about themselves, everything they know about you. But Father, for those of us that have given our lives to you, I pray that we would be able to put on this armor. It would be our goal because if we aim at nothing, we hit it. And so many of us are walking around unprotected so many of us are walking around looking for blessings in the wrong way. When this is how you want to bless us, all of this is going to bring us closer to you, which is the biggest blessing, because that's the one we'll experience in heaven where we're just intimate with you and nothing will be in the way. Help us experience that now. I pray for these things in Jesus.